Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Places, People, Purpose. Yesterday, where we left off, was the point where many issues with the French construction of the canal were beginning to surface. Despite this, Ferdinand de Lesseps was making public statements that the project was proceeding well. Let's find out what happened next. After de Lesseps' public statement about progress at the canal, Newspapers such as the London Financial News and the New York Tribune wrote extremely negative articles about the canal company, and the Tribune lamented that the poor innocent stockholders were unable to go out and see the truth for themselves. Not much later, the canal company began having problems paying its bills. It got to the point where the company was paying $15 million annually, just for interest costs on the money it had borrowed. In 1887, a delegation of experts hired by de Lesseps concluded that the sea-level canal plan must be dropped at once if disaster was to be averted. De Lesseps finally conceded that a locks-based approach for the canal was the right one. We will never know what would have happened if the French project had begun with a locks-based strategy. Being chronically short of funds, the company then tried another bond issue, which was the third in little more than a year. However, the cost of this financing was extremely high, and in the autumn of 1887, its financial position was desperate. Around the same time, a new cost estimate was made for a lock canal, 161 feet above sea level, and the price was declared to be about $331 million. At this point, things were quickly spiraling downwards. The last alternative de Lesseps thought he had for financing was to raise money using a lottery bond process but this type of financing required legislative approval from the French government. After many months, the French legislature approved the lottery on June 8, 1888. As a result, the company was authorized to borrow a significant amount of money, but in the end, it ended up being too little, too late. On February 4, 1889, a liquidator was appointed for the canal company. In addition to financial struggles, the insidious impact of tropical disease on the French endeavor cannot be overstated. Malaria and yellow fever ran rampant among the workforce, leading to a staggering loss of human lives. Inadequate sanitation, improper living conditions, and a lack of understanding of disease vectors contributed to the devastating health crisis. The constant loss of workers to illness severely hampered construction efforts and crippled progress. By 1883, the death toll taking place in Panama was no longer a secret, as too many French parents had been informed about the loss of their sons. American physicians conservatively estimated that not less than a third of the total workforce was sick at any one time. So in 1884, for example, 
with more than 19,000 employees at work for the canal. Probably 6,000 of them were sick. It was later concluded that at least 20,000 people died during the French campaign to build the canal. Instrumental to the health problem was that the French did not have jurisdiction over either Cologne or Panama City, through which everyone and everything had to pass. These cities were also where a large number of canal employees lived and worked. Cologne had no sewers or bathrooms, and garbage and dead animals were dumped in the street. Cologne was viewed as prime breeding ground for disease. Where the French did have control, it was a much different story. The town of Christophe Cologne was neat and clean, and it was located close to Cologne. The tale of the French attempt to build the Panama Canal is not just one of engineering challenges and geopolitical intrigue. It is also a story that reverberated through the lives of ordinary French citizens. The grand ambitions of Ferdinand de Lesseps and the subsequent failure of the canal project had far-reaching consequences, affecting the livelihoods, aspirations, and confidence of countless individuals. What once was a great source of national pride became a national embarrassment. The financial implications of the failed Panama Canal project extended beyond the boardroom of the canal company. Ordinary citizens invested their savings, hoping to secure their futures through the promise of handsome returns from the ambitious venture. As the project floundered under the weight of financial mismanagement, engineering challenges, and health issues, these investments evaporated, leaving countless individuals facing dire financial straits. Some 800,000 French men and women were directly affected, and for many, the savings of entire families vanished. The loss of savings, investments, and even pensions had a lasting impact on these individuals and their families, forcing them to reassess their financial stability and adjust their lifestyles. The ripple effects of the Panama Canal failure also extended to the broader French economy. The financial crisis that followed resulted in job losses across various sectors. The collapse of the canal company meant that not only did its employees lose their jobs, but the subcontractors, suppliers, and support industries were also affected. The economic slowdown caused by the canal's failure had a cascading effect on livelihoods, causing uncertainty and instability for many families. Ferdinand de Lesseps and his son Charles were tried multiple times on different charges, including fraud and poor administration, as well as bribery. Ferdinand was not required to attend the trials due to his poor health. When accused of bribery, Charles could have put the blame on his father, but he never did. His position was that neither he nor any official of the company had set out to bribe anyone. Rather, they had been the repeated victims of extortion, as everybody wanted a cut. The company had been told it had to pay for political support, for support on the stock exchange, 
and for the willingness by newspaper journalists and financial advisors not to publicly discredit the company or its claims. No one will ever know, but it has been estimated that the total sum paid for political influence and for friendly support from the stock exchange, journalists, and financial advisors was at least $4 million. Quite possibly, it could have been a great deal more than that. The venture lasted more than a decade and, according to best estimates, cost about $287 million, far more than had ever before been spent on any one peaceful undertaking of any kind. History has not been kind to Ferdinand de Lesseps, but he was likely the supreme brainmaker of his era. A large part of his appeal was that he was a non-technical, non-scientific spirit. After the Suez Canal project, he said he enjoyed the privilege of being believed without having to prove what one affirms. This is actually what made him dangerous. From the technical standpoint, the decision to cut the canal at sea level, as he had done in Suez, doomed it. Such an approach in Panama was simply too overwhelming, if not impossible. The large difference in the sea level of the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans necessitated the use of locks, which Lesseps recognized only too late. Ferdinand de Lesseps passed away on December 7, 1894. When he learned that his son Charles had been arrested, he lapsed into a slow, continual decline. He was able to escape imprisonment only due to his ill health. Despite the fact that the French were not successful in building the canal, their contributions to the Panama Canal should not be overlooked. Hospitals were built, as well as offices, storehouses, dock facilities, living quarters, and machine shops. The Panama Railroad had been acquired, and 50 million cubic meters of earth and rock had been removed from the path of the canal. What turned out to be a very public failure for the French gave the United States an opportunity it had been waiting for. The United States had expressed interest in a Central American canal and closely monitored the French project. The failure of the French venture eventually led to a changed political landscape, setting the stage for the United States to step in and assume control of the canal's construction, which they ultimately did. That's our program for today. Hope you enjoyed this really interesting history of the Panama Canal. Tomorrow, we are going to continue with more fascinating stories around the history and construction of the canal. Until then, thank you for joining Places, People, Purpose, where we create connections to our world.